Hello, everyone. I'm Sophia, and you're listening to Beyond Study Abroad, the Notre Dame Study Abroad podcast. And welcome back to all of our podcast listeners. Today we've got a great episode for all of you. Um, I actually had the chance to sit down over Zoom, of course, with a current senior, Danny Liggio, who was the only student from Notre Dame sent over to study abroad in Hong Kong last fall semester. And Danny's abroad experience was not only unique due to the destination of his study, but also because of the 2019 Hong Kong protests and political conflict that was all unfolding during his time there. So today, Danny's here to tell us all about his time abroad there. And although there are many opinions and political details about the nature of the Hong Kong protests, this episode is just focusing on Danny's views and his own perspective on the issue based on his personal experiences there. So I'm super excited to hear them and have Danny here to share his story with all of you guys. So let's get started with the interview. So we now have Danny with us here. Uh, Danny, do you want to start off with a little short intro, maybe where you're from, what your major is and all that? Okay, yeah. So I'm Danny Legio. I'm uh, from New Jersey. My major is science pre-professional studies. And I was in Duncan Hall one when I was on campus. I'm a senior. Okay, awesome. So being a pre-professional studies major, are you on the pre-med track? I am. Yeah, I'm applying to med schools now. Um, that was a big, a big part of like Hong Kong um, being pre-med. It's like, if you don't want to take a gap year, it's pretty limited. Okay, so what was it that kind of like drew you to Hong Kong, other than the the classes that were there? Yeah, so I was definitely looking as to like what, what, um, where can I go where I can take the science classes I need, and I would say for me, when I came to Notre Dame, it was um, a safe choice. Like both my parents went here, and I knew I was intending to do pre-med and undergrad and I figured you know I'll be pragmatic I'll go where I know I can um, feel comfortable and do well so when I was looking to study abroad I want to get away from that uh, specifically I want to get away from Notre Dame like I know the London program's easy or in Pueblo Mexico it's easy um, but I really didn't want to be with Notre Dame students I wanted to be just like out and um, you know, in Hong Kong, I mean, my family, like, doesn't have very many ties to Asia or Asian culture. And I figured this is, like, a great chance for me to explore a part of the world that I wouldn't get to see otherwise. Yeah, that's a great answer. So how different was it studying in Hong Kong versus Notre Dame, both in the aspect of, like, the culture and also the classes that were there? What was, like, the biggest difference? Well, it was, I'd say in the classes, it was crazy. It wasn't, like, any more um, competitive or, or, or less, I guess, in Notre Dame. But it was, it was fine. Uh, and I'd say in terms of um, people, so in Hong Kong, in Hong Kong, they speak Cantonese. However, okay. the law is that all universities must um, offer courses taught in English unless they are specifically like a history course or literature that necessitates being taught in Cantonese. So all the classes were taught in English, which was very easy. But about, like, I think in that school, 60-ish percent of the students were from like Hong Kong. Um, another quarter were from mainland China and the rest were international from wherever. So many, many of the students in the classes spoke either Cantonese or Mandarin to each other. Um, I knew a little bit of Mandarin. I didn't know any Cantonese. They don't offer Cantonese at Notre Dame. I didn't know anything. 
Um, <laughs> so because of that, I was, if I made friends with um, Hong Kong students, they were probably more international because those international students, you know, talk to each other in English. So I could, <laughs> Yeah. So how many Notre Dame kids were in the program when you went over? Oh, none. Oh, it so, was just you. Yeah, Notre Dame has three exchange programs in Hong Kong. HKU, um, like Hong Kong University, Chinese University of Hong Kong, and the one I did, which was the Hong Kong University of Science and Technology. So at HKUST, I was actually part of the second semester of students who ever did an exchange with the school. So it was like a new program. Oh, wow. I was, yeah, I was the only one in the city that whole um, semester, the only student. I actually ran into a kid, uh, a HKUST student, who was wearing like a Notre Dame International shirt. I guess he had come the other way as part of the first group of exchange students. I tried to talk to him, but he wasn't interested. He like ran away. <laughs> wow. That's got to be scary being the only one there. Were you nervous at all? Was it scary being the only Notre Dame kid going over there? I mean, yeah, but it was, it was really what I had hoped. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe I would have like wanted some more familiarity, but I was on my own. I was trying my best. There were, there is the Notre Dame International Office. It was, it was based in, based in Hong Kong. So there was some Notre Dame staff, I think about somewhere of, they, they told me I met some alum, alumni, and they said about like one student each year graduates from Notre Dame from Hong Kong, something like that. Just very, very okay. few. So I was able to meet some Notre Dame alumni. Um, there were some people like who, who work with the, the school that I met in the city. But basically, I was like, I was on my own and just kind of an exchange student for a semester. Yeah. Wow. That's so neat. So where did you live? Was it like a host family or was there a dorm or apartment that you were staying in? Yeah, I was in, I was in a dorm. Um, okay. The dorms were, so one thing about Hong Kong that I was surprised when I got there, I didn't know, is Hong Kong's such a dense city, but it's also so mountainous that much of the terrain in, in Hong Kong, like island and peninsula, you can't build on because it, it's just two steep mountains. So there's a lot of greenery and hiking. Um, this school, HKUST, was in a part of Hong Kong called like Sai Kung and Clearwater Bay, way to the east. Um, so my university was on the ocean. All the dorms looked out like over the ocean. Um, so I was, I was in a dorm on campus. I think something like maybe half the students will live, live in dorms. Um, you know, you can basically commute to the school from anywhere in the city. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I got a random roommate. I had... Um, I was roommates with, with this student, Ji Yun, who was an exchange student from Korea. So we, um, and we got along pretty well. It was, it was like a fun time. Uh -huh. That's awesome. That's so cool. I didn't know any of that about the, the Hong Kong terrain and everything. So you had never been to Hong Kong before this? No, I'd never been. I'd, I'd never been the farthest away from the U.S. I'd ever been. Um, it was probably like Berlin. I went to Berlin to visit a friend. So I was like way, way out. Way yeah. Out. Wow. That's awesome. So did you get to do any like traveling or fun experiences on your weekends when you weren't in classes? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, um, I went to, while I was there, I went um, to Thailand, to the Philippines, um, to South Korea, and to Macau. Wow. That's so neat. So what, what was each of them like? Do you have a favorite of them? I really enjoyed the Philippines because it was beautiful. We went to this place, El Nido. Um, one of my friends who I had made, well, a good friend who like, I still, I'm still in contact with, 
he had been to the Philippines before. So he's like, we got to go to this place. So it's like, all right, whatever, we'll go. And it was really beautiful. And I felt like, you know, it was fun, like being, it really felt like I was out there in a way. And I really enjoyed the, the friends I was with. And, and in Thailand, I had a lot of fun. Um, we went, we ended up on this island that turned out to be, I, I consider it like hippie party island. It was just, it was all like, backpackers or whatever and all just partying on the beach all night like, it was fun but it was, it was silly and um korea i went to seoul and i really really enjoyed that was the only big city i visited outside of hong kong as you could count macau but macau is like um las vegas in asia i think more money goes through there than las vegas oh wow but um seoul was really seoul is a really awesome city i wish i had more time in mm-hmm. Wow, that all sounds so cool that you travel to all these places. I haven't even like heard of half of these. So that's so neat. Um, so while you were there, I guess, traveling and doing all your classes and stuff, do you have like one favorite like go-to story or go-to experience when someone asks you about your time abroad that you usually tell? I remember some um, some fun things. I was really into the, the, all around Asia, there's lots of statues of Buddha, like big Buddha statues. There's one okay. in Hong Kong that I went with my roommate to see. Um, but when I went to Thailand, I wanted to, I, you know, I made sure I wanted to go check out the big Buddha. So my friends and I rode, got like mopeds, rented mopeds, which ended up being really cheap. So you had to front your, your passport to, you know, someone who would hold on to it. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, but we rode mopeds up like through Phuket in Thailand, uh, up, up the mountains to the, big Buddha and it was like sunset. And as we were coming down, um, you know, it was getting darker. And the one kid in front of us, who was the only one who had like his phone and cell service in the, in the country was, um, he decided that since it was getting darker, he was gonna drive as fast as he could all the way down the mountain. Like meanwhile, these roads are full of potholes and it's like scary and I've never even ridden a moped before. So I don't know, we were just trying to fly down the mountain as fast as we can to, uh, to keep up with him and not get lost. And I'd say I only like, there were only like three or four times then where I totally could have crashed and really hurt myself. But I didn't. <laughs> That's such a fun story. Oh my gosh, that sounds so cool. That's like a very, you know, fun abroad story. Thank you for sharing that. That's so fun. Um, Okay. So kind of like switching gears over to what was going on in Hong Kong while you were there. But before we get into your perspective on this issue, let's uh, take a second to give our podcast listeners some background right now on what actually was going on and kind of why. Hong Kong has been seething with discontent for months now. Scenes from the region show umbrella-toting protesters clogging city streets and shutting down transit stations. But the reasons behind this turmoil are about as complex as the images are astonishing. You can trace the immediate cause to an extradition bill proposed back in February. To understand why that is such a big deal, we've got to do a quick history lesson. You see, Hong Kong was a British colony until 1997. That's when the UK handed the region over to China with some important strings attached. Hong Kong was to remain semi-autonomous. In other words, even though it was now technically part of communist China, it could continue to have its own separate courts and markets. It hasn't exactly worked out that way, though, and people in Hong Kong have often complained of Beijing encroaching on their freedoms. Five years ago, for instance, the region erupted in a massive protest movement, named for the umbrellas that many demonstrators used to shield themselves from police tear gas. 
At the time, they were upset with the proposed reform that would have given Beijing a big say in Hong Kong's electoral process. That idea was eventually scrapped. But now, protesters and their umbrellas are back in the streets. They say China could use the proposed extradition bill to flout Hong Kong's legal system and punish political dissidents. And they are not satisfied that the bill was suspended in June. They continue to protest to see it formally withdrawn. And they want expanded voting rights and investigations into how police have handled these demonstrations. China isn't buying it, though. Authorities in Beijing have called the protests evil and criminal. And they have warned other countries to stay out of what they're calling an internal affair. For NPR News, I'm Colin Dwyer. So that was actually a quick clip from the NPR news coverage of the Hong Kong protests. And it was actually part of an article released by NPR on August 20th, 2019, only a couple days after Danny was beginning his classes right there in the center of Hong Kong. So Danny, what was it like uh, living there in the city where all of this was occurring? Yeah, so that, that summer there were protests in June. The city has like not even 8 million people. They had over like a million people marching in the streets. Wow. And they started very well organized, very peaceful. Um, and as the summer went on, um, the protests continued, like, continued happening and changing from like this real big, massive, um, peaceful marches to more sort of like guerrilla protests. Um, a little like things like Molotov cocktails would be involved and by the time I left I actually left the semester ended early three weeks before finals they decided to put everything online because the protests had gotten so um, overwhelming and they'd oh, begun wow. to center on the universities and I actually had to come home from from Hong Kong early because um, because of the protests. so they did affect me and while I was there um, there's like there's a lot of ways that they were present during, during like throughout my experience, mm-hmm. which I guess we could get into a little more, but yeah. overall they, they, they definitely changed how it would have been. That's, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. This will be great to hear. Um, first question, did you, like, were you familiar with any of this that was going on before you went over there? Um, well, except for that, you know, I knew I was going to Hong Kong and I was like, mm-hmm. and I was very interested in paying attention to the news and the situation in Hong Kong. Um, I was not like familiar before that, but that whole summer going going into my study abroad because I went in the fall was um, was was I definitely spent a lot of time reading into it and like looking up what exactly is happening. Yeah, I'm sure you're like, what am I getting myself into? You know. <laughs> um, so I guess you said that they impacted your time abroad because your class had to end early and stuff. Where was it ever like? I don't know, like scary to like walk through the streets or like did you see anything happening like what how did you interact with them well it, it wasn't scary um it, it wasn't scary at all a lot of times it was inconvenient uh the, the way you get around hong kong is one of the most efficient and well-used public transportation systems in the world okay um and for the first time ever when i was there because of the protests the protests centered for some points on the MTR, like the metro subway stations, and they closed for the first time ever. In order to implement a sort of de facto curfew in the city, the government decided that they would close all subways at 9 p.m. every night. Um, so that that made it more difficult to like get around. And you know, every now and then, like you, it only happened sporadically. But you'd be out 
And then like, you know, coming from one side of the street or you see like either a ton of police cars or like a ton of protesters. And like, personally, I was never caught in the middle, but people have been tear, gla- tear gassed or too close to tear gas. And um, it was, it, despite that, which happened like sometimes randomly, or if you were in the wrong place at night, oftentimes you knew like where a protest would be beforehand. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't, it, it wasn't like overwhelming. And I would say that even the times when like, you know, there, there's like a whole lot of police coming um, or something like that. It never felt unsafe, especially because I would say um, part of though, part of that though, being a foreigner, it felt like, because um, it truly wasn't um, my fight on, on either side, but it also felt like nobody really um, paid so much attention to me and what I was doing. Yeah. So I've never felt unsafe in the city. Okay. That's good to know. And that kind of brings up another question where you say like, it wasn't really like your fight to fight, but it was still interesting, like seeing what was going on. Um, I guess, how did like being present in Hong Kong during this time impact like your understanding or or opinion of the state of Hong Kong and the conflicts that were going on? Obviously it was different, you know, being there than I guess like being in America and reading the U.S. news about it. So how was it like kind of impactful for you to be there and see what was going on? Yeah, so I um, think that, you know, I, I, I got to look at it that I wouldn't have gotten from home. Mm-hmm. Towards the time of the protest when I was in Hong Kong, they were actually a lot more focused on police brutality. Okay. Um, it was interesting. You would see graffiti everywhere, even in the school, in the hallways, graffiti everywhere. And um, so I would say that when I it became more focused on police brutality. Like they would do things, the police would do things that seemed, um, well, they clearly were unjust and the people really, really pushed back against it. Um, a lot of the power in the movement came from university students. Some of the, um, some of the techniques that they had to fight back were, were kind of insane. There's this one university, there's nine in Hong Kong. One of them, Hong Kong Polytechnic University, is, um, well, where are you from, Sophia? I'm from South Florida. Okay. Well, if I, I like to use the example with people by me of New York, but uh-huh. so Hong Kong's a city, um, but in this case, I can just explain it because if, if you're not in New York, that's not so helpful. <laughs> but the way Hong Kong's shaped is it's a peninsula um, okay. up top known as Kowloon and then Hong Kong Island down low. Um, Kowloon is more of like where people live, a lot of stuff goes on, and Hong Kong is more of a business financial district. And there's three tunnels connecting it, um, which are like very much essential in getting from one place to the other. And everyone goes between like the Kowloon and Hong Kong Island, you know, most, most days. And um, one of the universities, Hong Kong Polytechnic University, was on one of these bridges, which I would consider like having a university on um, the Lincoln Tunnel or something. Okay. And the students managed to barricade the bridge for well over a week. Um, they would shoot, like, they would throw Molotov cocktails at the, the, um, at the police. They would even shoot flaming arrows at the police. One of the policemen oh, was in the hospital. He got an arrow on his leg. And then, like, towards the end, they were being, you know, besieged by the by the police and like people had to escape in the night on motorcycles and stuff. And it was um, 
Well, the, the sort of vigor that they fought with was something that I don't think I've seen in the U.S. because it was without regard for the um, continuing consequences of that. Like, if I were to think to do that here, I would think, okay, you know, how's that going to affect me getting a job? Yeah. Um, if, I get, if I get in trouble for this. But the, it, it was the, the ideals in Hong Kong and the freedoms that they believe in they very much are connected to those in the Western world. And although I didn't, um, although it wasn't really, like if I were to ever go out there dressed in black and like try to protest, it would be, when I was there, it would have been wrong. I would have felt because I would just be doing it like for the excitement, not because Mm -hmm. um, I'm really about it. But I would like to bring, like when those sort of issues come up, for me now in my life and the things that I see, like I see going on in the US, the issues that are really important to me, I would definitely like to approach them with the same sort of intensity and strength and conviction that the people in Hong Kong did for their issues. Yeah, wow, that's great to hear you like reflect on it and say like, although it wasn't like directly like your issue, it's still cool to see and kind of like see the parallels too between what's going on in the U.S. So that's so neat. Um, I guess I have kind of like one last question about how do you think this kind of like being there during the protests made your study abroad experience really unique and different from students studying like other cities around the world that might not have seen any of this political unrest? Well, it was definitely gave me much more of a reason to try to understand the culture of Hong Kong. There's, um, in Hong Kong, it's such an international city. However, the people from Hong Kong, the people who are really, um, like, who, who, you know, have roots in, roots in Hong Kong, who are, um, who, like, speak Cantonese on, on a daily, it, it's very easy in the city. You can see a, a disconnect between international people, expatriates particularly. There are lots of, like, communities of, you know, Americans who, you know, we'll only speak English and won't, you could live in Hong Kong for 10 years and not bother to learn Cantonese and not bother to learn what's going on. Um, I think the protests were important because they forced me to try to, try to understand exactly what was, what was happening and to get like a better perspective on, you know, what's it like to be from Hong Kong? I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I was there for a few months and I had to go home early. So, um, I would not say I am anywhere near like a Hong Kong or anywhere near an expert, but <laughs> I saw I saw just enough to to want to know more about it. Yeah, that's a great answer. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And that's the end of my question. So I guess last question, do you have anything, I guess we didn't talk about that you want to add or any like advice you would give to another student thinking about doing the Hong Kong program? Um, mm, well, I would say if anyone else wants to go to Hong Kong or to Asia at all, um, I would say just like having never gone before is a good enough reason to give it a shot. Because for me, it was like, I, if, if I had done any other study abroad program, I would have had a great time. I would have learned a lot. And I'm grateful that I was able to go to Hong Kong and, and do it the way I, I did. But just, just, I think if you're looking to study abroad, and you don't know where, or maybe you just want to go anywhere, then, you know, some places like Hong Kong is, is good enough because it'll be, because anywhere you go, there's definitely a lot to, a lot to learn and a lot of fun to have. 
Yeah, that's great advice. Thanks so much for adding that. Um, so that's a great thing to end on, Danny. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your experiences. It's going to be great for the podcast listeners to hear. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thanks so much to all of our podcast listeners, as always. I know I certainly enjoyed hearing from Danny, especially since being abroad myself at the same time that Danny was abroad as well. It's so neat to see just how incredibly different study abroad experiences can be in different regions around the world. Um, so we hope that you'll join us all next Friday in our very last podcast episode of this 2020 year. And then follow us into the new year, of course, as we continue to venture beyond study abroad.